Thank you, Pastor Tim. I can't tell you how happy I am to be here today. I didn't know if I would be ever here again. And um, it's just a joy to be here. I want to thank you for praying for me. Those of you that know what I was going through back in March and April. I woke up in March um, not feeling well. Through a series of events, my general practitioner sent me to the ER in Brussels, Belgium, where we live. And they immediately admitted me into the hospital. And um, the doctor came to me a couple days later as I was hooked up to oxygen and all these things and told me that I did have the COVID virus, that um, my condition was grave. She said, our only recourse for you is to put you on the ventilator and strong medications. That's our only answer. But you know, that doctor did not know who I serve. And even though, even though she thought that was the only answer, and I did submit to that, I didn't know what a ventilator really did other than just give some oxygen. It's a lot more than you think it is. <laughs> but um, I submitted myself to her um, you know, suggestion, of course. I said, yes, do what you need to do. And little did I know that that day... I would not see Tom for 21 more days. <laughs> and I was in isolation all that time. But um, Tom, when I was on the ventilator, solicited an army, a literal army of believers <laughs> to pray for me around the world. And I want you to know it's the prayers of you and all those soldiers <laughs> in his army is the reason I'm here today. It really is. Many older people like myself, I learned I was elderly in this project. <laughs> I didn't know I was elderly. No one had ever told me that. <laughs> so, you know, kick me when I'm down. <laughs> but um, a lot of people my age never leave the ventilator alive. But God was with me. And during those days of isolation... I was not alone. The presence of God one day entered my room early on. And he gave me a strategy to, to survive those days in isolation. He, he brought to my remembrance scriptures that I had learned even as a little child. And I would meditate on them. I would unpack them phrase by phrase for hours and hours. And I can't tell you how that built the faith of God in me. He gave me songs in the night when I couldn't sleep. He filled me with a heart of gratitude, even in my situation. I was praying for you when I discovered that you were praying for me. <laughs> he, he filled me with gratitude. I was so thankful. I was praying for everyone. I thank the nurses and the doctors continually to the point where I think they were irritated with me because <laughs> they felt they had to respond. And um, he gave me good doctors and nurses that spoke a, a good part of English. They're Dutch, but they spoke a good part of English so I could communicate. He did so much for me while I was in the hospital. I can't even tell you. Those days fled by. 
And I, I can testify he was with me every step of the way. On Good Friday, April 10th, um, I was released from the hospital to the glory of God. Tom on his Facebook called it Best Friday <laughs> because it was the best Friday ever for us. And we were able, able that night to have communion together for the first time in many days. And on Easter Sunday, together we celebrated our risen Lord and what his precious blood had done for me in the hospital. And I want you to know, whatever you're going through today, it, if it's illness, if it's abandonment, if it's isolation of some other form, no matter what you're facing today, God is with you. When you take your focus off of your problem and turn it to him, he enters your space, and he's with you every step of the way and leads you to the other side of your crisis to victory. And I can testify of that today. God bless you. Thank you again for your prayers. They made all the difference in the world. Amen. What a joy to be here today. We're just excited about all that God is doing here among you. And thank you, Tim, for the, Pastor Tim, for the uh, invitation to be here and uh, speak to us this morning. And uh, I see we have so many friends here, uh, people we've known for a long time. So long, I'm not even going to tell you how long. <laughs> and I see Chad over here. What a dear friend. And uh, um, while I was a district youth director, he was the kind of guy that would do anything I needed. And it was just, uh, you know, a joy to work. And we've driven a lot of, a lot of miles together, haven't we? <laughs> And uh, just a joy to be here today and be with you. Now, we are missionaries in, in Brussels, Belgium, and uh, work with the International Church Network in Europe and also Continental Theological Seminary uh, there. And um, we have a table right back there with a couple of things on it. Number one, our prayer cards. These are very important. We would solicit your prayers for us and our work. On the back of the card is a... Uh, an old, a message I used to preach a lot. I just love these thoughts, but um, how to pray for your family. And uh, very, very, if you've got lost people in your family or you pray for lost people, this is a, a pattern that's very, very good uh, scripturally on how to pray for them. Also on the back, and I didn't, you know, I'm just kind of springing this on Pastor Tim this morning, and so I wasn't aware of your men's thing that's going, that's starting, but um, and so this isn't to interfere with that. But I wanted to just mention that we ha I have a book back there called The First Hour that's put together by a, a guy named Mark Cook, who is a film director who's only been saved about 15 years. But shortly after he got saved, he was reading Jermaine Copeland's book on prayer. And uh, the Holy Spirit directed him to 18 specific prayers that, that uh, focused on three different areas of his life, uh, his family, his work, and his personal walk with God. And, um, and so he put them together, and, and uh, the story is in the front of this. So if you'd like to get it, this book is available just for any kind of, just, it's not free, but anything you'd give for it, uh, I want you to have it. And it's a challenge for men to, uh, 
to be men of prayer, to give the first hour of your day to the Lord. And I got it because I didn't think I could do it. I, I thought, I'm going to see if I can do this, you know. It turns out I can, and it turns out you can. <laughs> but uh, uh, you read a half hour of Scripture, you read the New Testament through every month, and you read a half hour of Scripture, you pray. It takes about 30 minutes to pray these 18 prayers. You read through them. The one for your wife is probably the most important. And Mark testified. He said, well, I started doing this and didn't tell anybody. I, I wrote these things down and didn't tell anybody. And he said, my wife was the first to notice. The people I work with noticed and that there was something going on, something different about me. And he said, my wife noticed. And, uh, and uh, that's kind of cool if your wife noticed. And so I started doing this, and my wife noticed something different about you. And anyway, it's just there. If you want to uh, try it, it, it it's, it's really outstanding. My book got worn out, and so I bought some more. And, and uh, it's really kind of a cool story how it all comes, comes together. Well, Phyllis really uh, started our, my, the mess message for me. And because I'm a missionary, um, I, I go to many different churches. And if I, don't ex if I don't say what I need, someone will always come up to me at the end and say, well, what do you need? Why didn't you tell us what you need? And so I'm going to tell you what I need. And then it will, we'll just leave it there. And if you want to give to that, that's fine. If not, it's, it's no big thing. But uh, they always remind me, you know, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. And so here's what we need right now. Um, at the beginning of this whole thing, uh, the, the, actually the um, two days after Phyllis went to the hospital, Continental Theological Seminary went from a classroom operation to online, which meant that uh, the essays that each student has to write for their class that requires 25 sources, they couldn't get to the library anymore, and so we had to put together an online library. So now we're all also working into this coming year that starts October 1st, and, uh, and, and we need $5,000 for this online, 5,000 euros for this online library. If God puts it on your heart, that, that'd be a wonderful thing. Also, the church I go to, uh, in, um, when we're home, we go to uh, Brussels Christian Center. They had to get online. They had all kinds of complications, and I know that all of you are aware of the complications that come with online ministry. And by the way, I'd like to say hello to all of you and all of the people online, <laughs> because you've conquered this beast. You know, you know. So it's great to have you, and it's a powerful thing, you know, online ministry. is, And I've learned a lot of things about it in these last few months. Anyway, the church needs 16,000 euros. I'm committed to help them with that. And then also we're building a new building at our school, Continental Theological Seminary, and we need 8 million euros for that. So if anyone happens to have an extra 8 million... <laughs> You know, just, just let me know at the door, and um, you're going to help us with that. That would be a wonderful thing. So, anyway, that's what I need. <laughs> but, you know, let me just say that uh, during this online thing, one of the things that I, I've preached this for many, many years, that God is not a God of distance and that we can pray for a need here, for healing here, and get it, you know, uh, on the other side of the world. Well, I, and I believe that, but I haven't really experienced that. But I'll tell you, the first Sunday... We were, we, Phyllis was in the hospital, and we had communion at our church. And so the pastor said, you know, go get some grape juice. And I didn't have any grape juice. I only had Coke, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, and a cracker or something. And, and it's a representation, so Coke is fine, okay. So, but, uh, you know, we always use grape juice and because it says uh, fruit of the vine and that's a theological thing we'll talk about next Sunday or some other time. Anyway, I'm sitting there all alone, 
and uh, I'm cooperating with my pastor there in Brussels. I've got this good little, you know, cracker and uh, a little glass of Coke, and, and we go through the thing. And do you know that when I began to share in that, the power of the Holy Spirit showed up in the room where I was, in our living room, in our little apartment. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart just as powerfully as if we were all together in a, in a room. It was amazing. And so I'm telling you this morning that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we sense in this room is yours if you'll receive it if you're at home. You know, it, it's just incredible how that all works. Well, so what I'd like to talk to you uh, this morning for a few minutes, and, and if you... Um, uh, if you uh, followed my posts every day while Phyllis was in the hospital, I ended almost every day with this phrase, faith wins. And it's something that really became real in my heart. And God gave me scriptures, and there were so many things that helped me along the route. But there was one scripture that, was, that became the focus during that time, and it's found in Romans 4.17. And it says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. In other words, that, you know, God is speaking to Abraham here, and Abraham is uh, the father of faith, and it's largely because of this story. He was, uh, God had promised him. He'd made a promise to him. He said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And, of course, uh, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. So often when it doesn't happen, we get kind of in the way of God doing what he wants done. And... Um, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Well, anyway, ultimately, God fulfilled Abraham's promise when he was, what, 99 years old? He had a son. <laughs> to me, that's really funny. I, I don't know about you, but this is really funny how an old man, <laughs> 99 years old, could have a son. How is that possible? It's not. Just not possible. <laughs> In fact, I don't know of any 99-year-old men that want to have a, a son, you know. <laughs> but um, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. And God gave Abraham a son when he was 99 years old. And so this chapter of Romans is all, all about that. You can read that later. But Phyllis was in the hospital. Uh, unexpectedly, I wasn't really ready for this uh, for her to be in the hospital. It came just before the lockdown in Belgium began to happen, and for 21 days I didn't see her. Uh, we went to the hospital that day, and um, they said, uh, she can come in, but you can't. <laughs> and, and so, the, thankfully, I waited in the car for four hours and waiting to see what the test would, and she finally sent me a text saying that they're gonna admit her to the hospital, and I can't see her, except the doctor by the ER there, there was this like garage door thing that they could pull up. And so the doctor uh, let me go talk to her for five minutes. Her bed was right by that door. I stood outside. She was right inside the building, and I was able to talk to her for five minutes. And I'm telling you, I wasn't ready for this. I had no idea that this would ever happen. And, um, and so I let her know that we we're going to be praying, and we're expecting God to touch her body. At the time, it was viral pneumonia. We didn't know exactly what it was. It was only a day or two we found out it was really the COVID virus, and, and then shortly they put her on the ventilator. And uh, I, I just was all alone. And I'm the kind of person that don't, doesn't do well by myself. But um, I would um, um, 
put daily updates every day at 3 o'clock. I could call the hospital, and uh, they would tell me how she's doing. And that was, that was the connection I had. It was just that, and that's all that I had. Well, in the middle of it, about two weeks into the thing, the pastor of our church had been reading our posts. And well, the good thing about what that happened was our chapel, every day that I directed our school, closed. The last one was on that Friday, and it was later that day that she went into the hospital. But then Monday, we don't have chapel, we don't have school, and we're kind of locked down at home. And, um, but that Sunday, that, that, next, that next week was prayer week at the church. And so we had a prayer meeting every morning at 10 o'clock and every night at, at, at 7. And so that week I substituted chapel service every day for a prayer meeting every morning. And so I, I just faithfully every day, the whole time she's in the hospital, we're having these prayer meetings. And in fact, even after she got out, it kept, it kept going until the middle of June. Uh, we're praying every day. And so I was there every, every morning, 10 o'clock. We were having a prayer together. But the pastor asked me, he said, on Wednesday night, we have the online service, Wednesday night service, and I'd like for you to, uh, to share, you know, what is it that, um, you know, I, I, I just want you to share what God's doing in your life. And so he said, I've got a couple of questions for you. So that night he asked me these questions. He said, number one, he said, knowing what you've been through with the situation of your wife, how has prayer helped you? in these difficult days. And I just said, well, well, the day I took her to the ER, uh, I couldn't go in the hospital. I waited in the car and uh, finally she was admitted and I just wasn't ready for that situation that I found myself in. But prayer has kept me strong, has kept me focused on faith. It has encouraged my heart and most of all, it's kept me from being afraid. In other words, the prayer, not just mine, but the prayers of all of you, the prayers of, <clears throat> of friends all around the world, had, had just kept me strong. And do you know that during that, those days, I didn't have any doubts. I mean, this is a supernatural thing that was going on. It focuses on the power of prayer to help each other. And we are a church, we're, we're the church, and the Bible clearly tells us that the gates on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail yeah. against the church. Amen. That's who we are. Right. We're the church. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And when we pray for each other and pray with each other, and the power of prayer helps us to be strong. It helps us to keep focused on faith. I just love the song we sang this morning. That is who you are. That is who you are. He is a God that, that, that calls into being things that are not as though they were. Amen. And so this verse in Romans chapter 4, 17 just became very, very strong. And also Hebrews chapter 2, 12 verse, verse 2 was, became a dominant verse in my heart during that time because it became so important because there's so much going on around us. That, that want us to focus on fear, wants us to focus on, on the dreadful stuff that's going on on planet Earth. And this verse says, fixing, uh, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of, of, of our faith. And so but prayer helped me keep my focus on Jesus. And you know, when we focus on him, everything 
you know, if we keep turn around and start looking at what the news, the press is trying to get us to believe and, and, and all the, the, the stuff that's going on on planet Earth at this moment, we understand that there are demonic forces at work bringing confusion and causing all sorts of trouble for us. But the fact is this, that when we focus on Jesus, he's the author and finish. He's the one that keeps us strong and keeps our faith in, in him. So I, 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 I told him that night, I kept my focus on Jesus. And a couple other things happened. I, I don't know if I should tell you this, but YouTube became my friend. <laughs> and um, this is a secret nobody, nobody knows about me. And uh, I just made a new discovery on YouTube. Uh, it's the Bill Gaither channel. <laughs> nobody knows this about me, but I'm a secret Southern Gospel fan. <laughs> And so I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing all this music. It's actual, actually music that glorifies God and hymns and of the, the church that they sing that used to be sermons, and they, the songwriter turned a sermon into And so it, it wasn't just one phrase. It was like four verses, you know, <laughs> because there are four points in a sermon, and each sermon... You know, it's like the Wesley story. You know, Charles Wesley was the writer and John Wesley was the evangelist. And, and uh, John would preach a great message and, and, uh, and then Charles would write a song about it and then get the, some barroom tune, you know, <laughs> and put the message to, 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 to music. And those are like in the old days, we had hymn books in the church and those are the Wesley songs were, were, were the, the stable of the church kept us. Anyway, the Southern Gospel... I'm sorry, why am I even saying this? <laughs> it kept me strong. The second question he asked me that night was, um, in what way can you say the Holy Spirit has ministered to you as you have faced this unexpected crisis? So I told him, well, you know, it actually started, this was in the middle of March, getting close to the end of March, and I, I said, well, the, the truth is it started in December, you know, because uh, my Christmas message to the school was found in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child. And what I was trying to do was prove the probability of the, of the faith. And, you know, when you look at probabilities and all that, you know, some of these prophetic things are just so far off the chart. There aren't numbers big enough to, to talk about the probabilities. And I was, that's why I was trying to illustrate. But it says, The virgin will be with a child... <laughs> Will be uh, will give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. And now most pastors have this incredible, powerful Christmas message, and then they, they uh, the end of the year then comes right after Christmas, and we get going on new stuff, and our whole focus changes. But this year, for some reason, in January, my focus stayed on this verse on Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So every day in January, somehow I'm reading other places in the Bible and creating other messages and all this other stuff. But this verse kept coming back to me, Emmanuel. February, I, I, I told the, the, the school, in fact, the churches I preached in, I said, this is very unusual for me that this verse keeps coming back to me. It's, it's, it's become very real. I, I get goosebumps when I, when I think about it. But, but God is with us. God, this is the God we serve. He is a God who is with us. And so I said to Daniel, our, our pastor Costanza, then I said that, that 
that this started, the Holy Spirit started in me back in December with Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, saying that God is with us. And so I've been focused on this, that, that even though my wife isn't here and I've been all alone, God is with me in my little apartment, locked down, you know, God is with me. And so what have I got to fear? God is with me. And I was also thinking about the book that Phyllis had written several years ago. Um, that it's basically a book on Psalm 23, yeah, but it's more about sheep and the shepherd and the connection of the shepherd to the sheep. And the book is visions that she had of, of the, the sheep being in crisis situations and every time, every crisis that the sheep would would get into, the shepherd had a solution for their problem. And, and that's what her book is about. But Psalm 23 says, I, uh, uh, the, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And I didn't feel like I was in a green pasture at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm feeling like, and it says, I shall, um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Well, I don't know about you, but being alone and being going through this, I didn't feel much like quiet waters either. It says, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's really where I felt. I'm, I mean, this is, I don't know what's going to happen. And the truth is, we didn't know at the time how bad she was. It, was, it wasn't until she was out of the hospital, the doctor told us that her lung capacity had gotten down to a little bit less than 25% of the ability to, 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 to absorb oxygen into her body, which is a pretty serious moment when we get down to that. But it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Yeah. I'm going... Thank God. I mean, and, 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 and that's the part of this chapter that was resonating in my heart, that even though I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, I am not afraid of death. And then the third question he asked me that night was, what are some of the keys that we need to remember as believers when we walk through the valley of suffering? And uh, this verse just came into my heart powerfully uh, that night, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7, but verse 4, it, it, well, verse 3, it says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. And, and what this is saying is that, that when we walk with God in faith, that, that we will go through difficult moments. But when we go through difficult moments, God is with us. And if he's with us, then he comforts us in that difficult moment. And when we have his comfort, it's there for purpose. And it's not for us. It's for, the, it says here, that, that, that the comfort that we've received to give to somebody else. And so we wonder, why is it that we go through some negative moment? Why is it that, that God, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Why? And we tend to, 
to, to get mad at God and we get angry with him. I can't believe, God, you're making me do this. Well, it's only for, not for you, it's for somebody else. It says here, it says that the comfort that he gives us in a difficult moment is for the purpose of us ministering to someone else later on. And so you go through some horrible moment that we can't understand. And we're trying to help you through it. Amen, Pastor Tim? I mean, we, you, your pastor sees issues that are unbelievable. And people are going through things in this moment that are unbelievable. But the God of all comfort is with us. It's, he's Emmanuel, God with us. And if you're going through a difficult moment, I'm telling you, he is with us. And if you will stay with him in the difficult moment, because many people, they just jump off the wagon. They decide, well, God, I can't believe you're doing this. And if you're that kind of God, I'm, but it's not God who's doing it. We need to understand that it's the, the wicked, lawless God of this, of, of this age that's causing trouble in the world today, and our God is with us through it. And so then, <laughs> at least this has happened to me, I've been through tough moments and can't believe it's happening. And 10 years later, I meet someone that's going through the same thing, needing help, saying, God, I can't believe you're doing this. And I can say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we have a God of comfort. There is someone who cares about where you are. And this is a building process. This is something to help you. And, and, and you're going to be amazed at how, how he gets you through this moment. You're going to survive it. And you're going to flare. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be stronger than you ever even thought you could be. And you're going to be helping in 10 years, just like I'm helping you today. You're going to be helping someone else. The God of all comfort. And of course, the bottom line to all this is that faith wins. And I said in one of the posts I wrote, it always has, faith wins, always has, always will, and it does today. He's the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. So specifically, let's just, let me conclude with three things. Um. In the middle of the process, uh, the doc I'm talking to the doctor every day, and, and uh, uh, she's been on the ventilator now for, what, five or six days, and I talked to the doctor. He said, well, trying to, we're trying to wean her off the medicine and, and to get her off the ventilator. And, uh, but uh, today, she was really anxious when we were trying to get her off, and so we'll just try again tomorrow. And, of course, anxiety is something that just kind of happens when these things are going on. And, and this was a moment that I had that I could really be anxious and I could have just kind of capitulated and just let fear take over my life. Because 10 years ago, my cousin, who was a pastor of, of two Methodist churches in Ohio, uh, uh, had a heart problem and he got, he, they had a successful surgery on his heart. Everything was fine, but they couldn't get him off the ventilator. And he got anxious and he would fight him. And I don't understand all this, how this works, but he fought them when they were trying to get him off the ventilator. And when the doctor said anxiety, I was remembered immediately my cousin John. He ultimately died because he couldn't get off the ventilator. And I'm, 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 
thinking of John. The doctor says, your wife has got some anxiety getting off the ventilator. And I had a great opportunity to let anxiety take over my life. But do you know, because people were praying for me, I had no anxiety. I didn't even think about it. It wasn't, I said, well, we'll try tomorrow. And, and tomorrow, we, she got off the next day. But what do you do with anxiety? And we found out later that anxiety is a natural um, um, uh, side effect of this COVID virus. Unexplained anxiety. We went to the doctor. The doctor had every, every detail of the hospital stay. And, and he was going through all these things, telling her all the stuff. And she was talking about the side effects that, that we don't want to talk about, losing your hair. <laughs> Acid reflux, you know, that tube was, and, and, and anxiety. He said, there's this unexplained anxiety. But it says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'm telling you, God is with us. And if we give him our anxiety, he brings healing immediately to our lives. And then, the second thing was, was what Hebrews 12.2 really helped me with, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and that is worry. I had cause to worry, and being human, I like to worry. I'm really good at it. My background is Italian, and uh, Italians are really, really good at this. We can worry you sick. You know, I've always said, I never want to be the pastor of an Italian church. <laughs> oh, my relatives, please forgive me. <laughs> And it's online, they may see this someday, but, but Italians complain and they worry. And they cook really, really good. That's the only reason I, want to, <laughs> I ever want to pastor at Italian churches because they cook really good. I mean, the pasta and the, the sauce and the, oh, man, it's incredible. But then they worry you sick, you know. <laughs> but do you know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 27 says, can anyone... By worrying, add a single hour to your life. It says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And you know, there are legitimate things that we have today to worry about. Right now, today, you've got some legitimate reasons to be worried. But I'm telling you, if we fix our eyes on Jesus... The worries are behind us, and we're not looking at them. Amen? If you watch the news every night and you hear what all these people are saying, what ridiculous stuff. I mean, we could get into that. Let's don't. <laughs> but, but there are such lies being perpetrated, but we fix our eyes on Jesus, and faith wins. Amen? And then the third thing is this. Fear. The prayers of God's people completely delivered me from fear. Romans 5, Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings. I don't like that part. 
in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Faith wins. He's the, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. And this morning, in conclusion, I'd just like to ask you, these are legitimate reasons for us to deal with today, anxiety, worry, and fear. This is very, very in our face. And I'm just wondering today if you would say to me, say with me, you know what, I'm dealing with this right now, anxiety. Am I going to send the kids to school or not? Am I going to go to work or not? There's a legitimate anxiety. If you've had the virus, you've got this unexplained anxiety that, that we, we don't understand, but we fix our eyes on him. I'm wondering if you're here today and you say, yes, I'm, I'm dealing with it. I've got anxiety. What about worry? What's going to happen? I lost my job. I'm not back to work. I'm worried about supplying for my family. What's going to happen to us? I'm wondering. Are you here today and you said, yes, I'm worried. Fear is just this tremendous thing that the enemy is dumping on the world at this moment. But the challenge of God with us is for us to not be afraid of things around us. I'm wondering if one of those three things is yours. Would you just raise your hand with me? I'm, I'm dealing with it. I mean, I, I'm dealing with it. But we are the church. And, and we're taught that because we're the church, we bear each other's burdens. <laughs> and our God is with us, and he, he calls things that are not into being. The reality is we win. The reality is that in, in spite of our anxiety and our fear and our worries, we win yes. if we keep our eyes fixed on him. So I'm wondering if you are dealing with these things, if, if you just stand up. We, we're the church. We're, gonna, we're going yes. to bear each other's burdens this yes. morning. Amen? Yes. And we're not going to touch you, even though there's this laying on of hands thing that is a doctrine in the New Testament that's very powerful. <laughs> I love it. But, but, but we're going to lay hands on you. So I, I want you to take your hand. We're going to social distance yet. Take your hand. <laughs> I want you to, to put your hand on your head. And the Bible says where two or three agree concerning any one thing, they shall have it. And this morning, we're going to pray with each other. We are going to believe God that this hand, your hand, you're a part of the church, but your hand on your head will initiate the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life today. We are the church. Amen. The gates of hell will not prevail yes, against yes, the church yes. of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Pastor Tim and Teresa, will you guys just come up here real quick? We're going to pray together. Agree together. In the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we take authority over these issues that we face. Your people, your church. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every spirit of anxiety, yes. feeling of anxiety, 
I'm telling anxiety to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, every worry, things that we're worried about, things that we're thinking about, legitimate things that we're dealing with in our homes, Lord, I, I rebuke the spirit of worry in the name of Jesus. May we be strong. We know you are with us this morning in the name of Jesus. Worry, go. And Lord, our world is gripped with a fear that comes from the, the pit of hell. Fear that the enemy is trying to force us into. But today we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and resist fear. We will not be a slave to fear because we are the sons of God and heirs of Christ. And Lord, today in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the fear that's come upon your people. May we put it off. We resist it. It says where two or three agree concerning any one thing, they shall have it. And Lord, today, we thank you for victory. It says, but thanks be to God, we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.